0: Our fast-paced lives are filled with distractions, frequently leaving us disillusioned and dissatisfied with ourselves, with others, and even with the divine. Spiritual practices that used to sustain us fall short when life circumstances bring us to the limits of ourselves. After many years of leading an international humanitarian organization, Felina Hewart's experienced the deconstruction of her identity, worldview, and faith. Centering prayer, a Christian expression of mindfulness, was a crucial remedy for her fragmented condition, offering a more peace filled and purposeful life. Hi, I'm Ashton Gustafsson, and this is good, true, and beautiful. But before we get started, a message from today's featured nonprofit.
1: Gravity, a center for contemplative activism, is for people who care about their spirituality and want to make the world a better place. We're located in Omaha, Nebraska, in the heartland of America, but we work with people all over the country and around the world. We offer contemplative retreats, spiritual direction, and Enneagram consultations and workshops. Learn more about what we're doing at gravitycenter.com.
0: Hey friends, Ashton here. Welcome back to another episode of Good, True, and Beautiful. I am so excited to have this guest on again. She was, uh, I always say this, she was like really my first rock star guest that was like, this is actually becoming something. And uh, it was a couple years ago, um, she has been my gateway to all things contemplative a beautiful soul leading with wonderful love and wonderful light in the world. And um, her book, Mindful Silence, is out today, the heart of Christian contemplation. Um, So it's book launch day. She's super swamped, and she said, yeah, I'll come on and chat with you. And uh, so that being said, from Omaha, Nebraska, the lovely Felina Hewarts is joining us. Felina, welcome back.
1: Thank you so much, Ashton. It's always good to connect with you. I'm
0: telling you, I can't believe it. It's been a couple, two, three years now since we first crossed paths. And uh, I can st- I always share this story, my, my crossing paths with you. I um, I was on a speaking tour in the real estate world and I was in some random hotel in Virginia and somehow, some way, came across you and the stillness prayer. And from that moment, uh, I have gone down the rabbit hole and you have held mm. my hand in <laughs> mm. <laughs> all things contemplative. So thank you. you awesome. You've shown me the way.
1: Awesome. I love hearing that. And uh, there's nothing more exciting than the rabbit hole. Yes. You say? Yes. Yes. It is.
0: Uh, it is. Uh, It's where liberation is. Joy, rest, peace, and all of it. Um, So maybe for some of our guests, we've grown over the years, and maybe they haven't experienced you and some of the conversations we've had. When you introduce yourself and your work in the world, where do you begin? Oh,
1: wow. Well, I I generally begin with my first 20 years of adulthood um, working around the world for social justice so um, serving among children in poverty uh, survivors of trafficking sex trafficking, labor trafficking and children of war and uh, it was in those years that I came to understand the the extent of suffering in the world and really came to understand even some of my own hmm. and it was um, it was in a a season of, um, visiting Freetown, Sierra Leone, um, being introduced to children of war that, um, I, I, I really hit the end of myself Mm -hmm. and, um, came to the limits of myself and, and my attempts to heal the world were coming up short and, and that plummeted me into a, a crisis of faith that forever changed my life
0: well. And so, um, 20 years on the front lines, seeing, um, horrific, brutal things. And you do, you, you come to this crisis moment and I'm probably getting a little bit ahead of myself. Um, but in, in short, um, walk us through the discovery for you of what happened next. You cross paths with some voices, the Thomas Mm Keatings of the world. Um, yeah. Cynthia burgeot's of the world and you begin yeah. to i always say rediscover what has always been available. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, talk to me about mm. um, the way you processed um, that suffering and mm. the season that you moved into of handing yourself over to some of these disciplines and practices
1: that we talk about. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I, that's so um, tender, you know. To to go back to those days um, when I was so raw, and I, I had grown up in the church. My father was a pastor, and I'd taken my faith very seriously. And when I when I ended up in this crisis of faith, I was doubting everything. It was like my 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 religious paradigms, my worldview, my sense of self, God, and others it was all crumbling. And um, if anyone's ever you know, gone through that, then, uh, you know, that it's horribly disillusioning, disorienting. It's, it's not just, you know, some kind of, um, spiritual experience, but it's also, um, very material experience in terms of, um, psychologically, there's an element of a real disorientation. And, uh, and, and I, I didn't really have anyone in my life, like in my community in my church or anyone that could could really speak to what I was experiencing. And um, thankfully, uh, a couple of years into this darkness and disorientation, I met Father Thomas Keating, who just recently left his body um, after a long, long death. Um, He was 95 years old. And um, it's just, this is also kind of tender for me because he, he, he just passed, yeah, yeah. and um, I'm still processing his passing because I, I really feel he, he saved my life. He wow. saved my faith um, by introducing me to uh, contemplative prayer and contemplative tradition.
0: I think one of the things, one of the phrases early in the book that you talk about is Keating's idea of divine therapy. Um, that as you were first introduced into this, um, that it really was this uh, place of surrender of letting go of recentering into uh, your ground of being. Talk about contemplative practices, um, and and kind of I think some people they hear contemplation and they they don't have the the right vernacular or notions of exactly what we're talking about. I think divine therapy is just a great baseline to mm. begin at um yeah talk through yeah. that a little bit
1: yeah uh, keating is so wise with that terminology um maybe I'll back up for a moment and go into that uh a lot of us come into contemplation or meditation um through like the mindfulness movement which is um quite pervasive in our society now and it's super helpful um there you know, initially, um, practices of meditation or, um, contemplation help to minimize stress. Um, there are all kinds of studies showing, um, the benefits, um, for our physical health, reducing high blood pressure and, um, lowering blood, blood sugar and, um, yeah. And evidence of, of the reduction of, of stress and different things. And so, um, that's wonderful in and of itself. You know, we might experience a little bit more peace in our life if we adopt a spiritual practice like meditation or contemplation. But um, all of the faith traditions agree that these practices were designed really for the deconstruction of the self. Hmm. And if we have any kind of um, other benefit in terms of more peace or um, less stress, that's just a byproduct but the, um, the goal, really, of contemplative spirituality is the deconstruction of the self, which brings us into divine therapy. And so, you know, for years, um, it was hard to get my peers interested in (laughs) contemplative spirituality. And uh, I don't know exactly what's happening. Um, I know that I'm getting older and my peers are getting older. And so maybe they're a little bit more turned on because of, you know, life experience. But I do think also there's an evolution of consciousness where we're seeing younger and younger people wake up to their human condition a little bit earlier. And, and truly, I think those who come into a serious spiritual practice have lived long enough to come up into the limits of themselves and to realize that they actually are in need Mm. and um, they're in need of um, greater freedom, greater personal freedom to to live their life from their highest, truest self. They've realized that there's a lower self, um, a false self, if you will, that has dominated their life and isn't, um, offering the best of who they are mm. and um, when we wake up to that and we realize that then we enter into a spiritual practice uh, and the divine therapy begins if, if we're people of faith we can identify that that intervention of mystery of of the divine um, that is within us and um, and with and, and apart from us intervening in us and um, and designing a a path for our ultimate liberation or deconstruction of the self.
0: Yeah. I always begin with um, this idea that the work, the discipline, these practices, as we give ourselves to them, the freer, the truer, um, even the more simple part of us is what begins to emerge. Um, And I think right in the book, you kind of just go, hey. Unfortunately, I'm just here to tell you a lot of this is about dying. Like, let's just get yeah. this out there. We're just, yeah. Let me go ahead and just state where we're going here. It's <laughs> so going. If you want to stop reading? <laughs> yeah. you can
1: stop reading now. <laughs> yeah.
0: if, if you if you're not up for a death, um, yeah. stop reading. But hold my hand on this: the small self, the false self, um, and these illusions that we have that they they imprison us. They keep mm. us small. They keep us with boundaries and yet there's this boundarylessness expansive side of us mm. um that really as as you learn the grace of these practices that it is a slow and gradual waltz um mm. but but eventually um mm. a freer you emerges a wider mm. more deep more expansive you right. um so just kind of hold my hand on this what needs to die? Because I think that's, Mm -hmm. in our 20s, that's not really great news. (laughs) Yeah, true.
1: In our 20s, we're just trying to figure out who we are. Uh, I think, you know, and in large part, we're building up our sense of self. And uh, for too many of us, that sense of self is, is mixed with these lies. I, I, We've just got some great um, paradigms through some other teachers like Henry Nowen talks about yep. these lies yep. of our identity, that I am what I have, I am what I do, I am what others say about me and uh, or think about me. And so earlier you know, in life, we're, we're trying to figure out who we are, and oftentimes that's mixed up with these lies that we're listening to, but we don't realize that we're listening to them. And so we're shaping our sense of self around what I am, what I have, what I do, or what others say or think about me, and uh, and so this kind of identity tends to form. And when we're ready to wake up to who we really are, to the good, true, and beautiful that is our essence, uh, then we um, then we realize, oh wow, like this other sense of self that I've been so invested in actually has to die so that this new life can come forward.
0: And this is a recent discovery for me, but and it's even bizarre to say, but how much of my suffering was connected to the biography that the, that the small false self had.
1: That's right. You
0: know that and like that this is a this is like a recent last six months understanding of, oh my gosh you just you build this thing and you think that it has the final say and then when you really give yourself to these practices you can step back enough to go that thing that you've worked so hard to craft polish build shape and form is actually responsible for so much of your pain and suffering that you currently have that's
1: right that's so true i mean I, i really resonate with that in my own life i um I realized as I was waking up that I was over-identified with what other people say or think mm-hmm, about me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, and so much of my life, like day-to-day life energy was crowded with this inner chatter that before I wasn't even aware that it was going on, mm. but then I woke up to it. and I realized, Oh my gosh, like I'm constantly surveying, you know, what I'm doing and what I'm saying and how I'm contributing in terms of how it's impacting other people and then how they're reading me and how they're accepting me or disapproving of me. And it was just a constant kind of thing going on, mm. you know, interiorly. Now, before I woke up to that, I, I, I had no idea. I was just living my life. Yeah, yeah. But once I woke up then um, and I gave myself to these spiritual practices I began to get freer and freer from all that noise and chatter inside. And that released like a, a lot more energy to be able to be of service in the world, which kind of is trying to circle back as I'm reflecting, mm-hmm. trying to circle back on the suffering element because um, the suffering began with even just that interior noise yeah. that I was constantly tending. Yeah. And then it plays out from there. Right. So yeah. then, Um, all of the drama in my life with various kinds of relationships and the emotional stuff that goes on because of how I'm being read or misread or misinterpreted or whatever. Like it, it's like, it's crazy, Ashley. I mean, this, it, this is real. Like I want (laughs) listeners to understand like this is a very real thing because like I don't deal with that drama anymore. Like I don't have that suffering anymore. Like I'm still vulnerable to, what other people say or think about me, but I'm not attached to it like I was. It doesn't preoccupy my mind and my attention like it used to. I mean, I'm still getting more and more free, but it's like, it's night and day in terms of who I am now and who I was 15 years ago before I really got serious about contemplative spirituality.
0: Mm -hmm. I think Jay Jay Shetty, I heard him say not long ago, and I think the narrative you and I are kind of coming at is, It's not that I am who I think I am. It's not that I am who you think I am. It's that I am who I think you think I am.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And and
0: when you, when, when, like, I said that to Bryn, my wife, yesterday, and she was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, I know. I was like, "I know." we've spent 30 years thinking we are what someone thinks we think they are. I mean, it's just, to even say it, it's like a tongue twister. Yeah, um, it
1: is so bizarre. It is so bizarre. And it's like, can you imagine going from that to I am that I am?
0: Bingo. Let's go. I
1: mean, that's it, you know? Yeah. And let's get on with it and let's let that great I am flow in and through us. That's right. Yeah, you know? there's I mean, that's where it's at.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, everything um it's introduction to color all over again.
1: Mm. mm.
0: You know, it's mm-hmm. there there was yeah there was there was life of sentences in black and white, but now there's poetry and color mm-hmm. and song yes. and oh, by the way, liberation and freedom and yes. sustainability
1: <laughs> yes, yes, you know what you're reminding me of um, this visit with a dear friend of mine in buenos Aires um Argentina many years ago, and um I was just waking up, you know, and i was I was tapping into this liberation and experiencing greater freedom and um, I was trying to explain this to my girlfriend we were sitting outside by this little canal in the city and I'll never forget it It was it's just still with me today and as I was like explaining my experience I was I began to cry and I was just like Adriana I don't know how to tell you other than to say the sky is bluer and the grass is Mm. greener and (laughs) you know and the cool wind on my skin is just like you know, blowing me away. It's like, oh, life is just more alive.
0: You're present now. So I don't know if it's you or your husband, Chris, that says this, but I feel like I got it from him once was this idea of self observing leads us to self correction. Um, Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, that's Chris. Yeah, that's Chris. So kind If we of, can't self-observe, we can't self-correct. If, I love
0: it. That's right. Yeah. If we can't self-observe, we can't self-correct. So um, I think it's important for some people to hear this idea of, as you and I are just riffing back and forth about penetrating our illusions, touching reality, um, lessening our suffering, um, I think it's really important also to go, but that doesn't mean that some of this stuff doesn't go away. It just means you're way more aware of what's happening in the moment. Um, exactly. You can, there is a, there's a gentle pause, a response rather than a reaction that yes. is that is built into the narrative, uh, the moment, and yeah. talk through that a little bit because I think that that's really important. Um, and maybe it's just those you know, in a 20 minute sit in the morning, you kind of Mm. detach from some of these overwhelming obsessive thoughts and you kind of Mm. call them out for what they are. Mm -hmm. Um, But talk about that self correction and maybe how these practices have helped you um, Mm. have the red flag go, Hey, careful. That's Mm -hmm. that's showing itself again.
1: Yeah. 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 So the beginning of liberation is self-awareness and, Contemplative practices help us grow in greater self-awareness. And I like to think of it in the framework of solitude, silence, and stillness. So as we practice uh, some kind of solitude, we're cultivating um, this capacity to be more present. When we practice silence, we're developing a capacity to listen and we, when we practice stillness we're cultivating this capacity for restraint or self-control mm. kind that's of that good. stop gap yeah, so that we're good. not reacting to all of life and what i want people to understand is that these kinds of spiritual practices of of kind of external like solitude silence and stillness like you know withdrawing from activity and people and getting quiet and and being still in a practice is is really designed Um, so that we might develop this interior quality of solitude, silence, and stillness. So over time, um, that capacity within for this inner spaciousness um, occurs so that as we're moving through life, we have um, perspective. It's like we're interacting with life, but we're not Um, over-identified with the circumstances of life so that we can get perspective in the moment. So we can um, notice when we're getting triggered um, in those old patterns of thinking around the lies that I am what I have I am what I do, I am what others say about me. So for example um, with the lie that I am what others say or think about me uh, I can remember like one of the one of the memories that's coming to me now is a a talk that I gave at a huge conference, um, several years ago. And I was introducing contemplative spirituality to a group that knew nothing about it. And, um, they came from more of a fundamentalist background and it wasn't, um, all of like, it was kind of not a very accepting audience. So, Mm -hmm. um, my talk triggered, fear some fear in some of the people and uh and so I gave the talk and I and I was done and I went back to my room and immediately I started fretting over Mm. the experience and like what other people thought about me and um how they were going to understand me and the judgment and all these things so I I immediately was aware that I was slipping back into those old patterns of thinking. And uh, and so then I just immediately went into my practice and meditated and um, and then was able to get some more distance from that. So it's like initially we, we start to see ourselves when we slip back in. Yeah, yeah. And then over time um, we become – like less swayed mm-hmm. by that old mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. Um, because we've been living in a new reality for longer, you know?
0: I think you write in the book that this is where um, we, we start letting go of what we see with the eyes so we can step into what we see with the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, there's the invitation, right? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. this is not, Obligation, responsibility, duty. Mm-hmm. Oh. Th- this is invitation. Oh. Um, and, uh, you know, I've one of the little things that I'm learning is um, when I left this idea of contemplative practices to be a check mark or another to do list, mm-hmm. and I moved into it allowing to be this space that I go to. So, I can reemerge in the world from that space. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like an entire thing shifted in those short 20 minute sits for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't a box to check, it mm-hmm. was um, recalibration, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, I like that. I, it makes me think of like getting realigned.
0: There you go. Yeah, it, alignment it, it, being greater than effort. I think you talk about yeah.
1: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes me think of my experience with with chiropractic care um, this last year, and and the metaphor of you know having to go into a chiropractor's office to to align the spine so that the nervous system can uh, function properly and flow freely. Um, it's the same with our spiritual practice. It's like we go into our sit so that we can become more aligned with the divine with our highest true self and it's like i mean who wouldn't want that Mm -hmm. you know who wouldn't want to have like a fully functioning nervous system and (laughs) pain-free body you know it's like same like i want to i want to live my best self my highest truest self i want to be of service in the world like why wouldn't i want to take a little time to to live into that um reality more often right
0: Would you, in the people that you've done spiritual direction with, your own personal story, would you say that 90%, 95% of this conversation finds itself just in the desire to be in such a posture? Like, and I guess what I'm asking is, that don't, don't show up with an agenda in these, right. in these practices. That right. just the idea of, I want to be centered, grounded, uh, yes. I, I want to come from that place of love. I want to hear yes. my name before I had a name. Um, yes. I think if you can begin there, uh, yes. cause how much of our life is so covered in agenda? Um, yeah. I, I think it's, it's, I guess where I'm going is it's not so much something that we do. It's something that's done to us. Um, exactly. and, and the posture, yeah. the desire to even get there or to want that to be done to you, I think is 95% of the work.
1: Totally. Yep. Totally. It's all in our desire and our intention and just showing up and, um, God does the rest. That's right. You know? That's right. Yeah. And, yeah.
0: and you write too about that, that, the love of neighbor and love of self, these are, these are parallel trajectories that, mm-hmm. um, like you gave your life away for two decades, saw mm-hmm. awful, horrific things, and yet you had to then rediscover, but hey, Felina's got to also give Felina some space and mm-hmm. and rest uh, and come into that loving presence. So I guess you would invite mm-hmm. our listeners into this idea that they are connected, they're contingent, they are... Um, in a way, one and the same, it's this gift to yourself, but it's also a gift to the world.
1: Totally, yeah. yeah. When we set out to help ourselves, we end up helping everybody else because we get freer to live from our highest true self, and that's the self that will have the most to offer our neighbor.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, And too often, when we're living out of those lies um, and our false self, our effort in the world is, is exploitative and um, can lead to violence mm. in the ways in which we're actually using people kind of in our effort, like our efforts are cloaked in goodness, but there's this underlying kind of seedy, unconscious motivation for, um, for our own self needs, mm. you know, and whether it's self promotion or, you to get a sense of love or um, to have some sense of place in the world or whatever, you know? And, and so we have to be really careful. Um, I, I just think we have to be responsible with our, with ourselves and with, with our neighbor, with our loved ones. Like it's all intertwined. So the more awake we can be, um, the more, uh, the more goodness and help we can offer in the, in the world, you know?
0: Bingo. I totally agree. And by the way, the Merton—I think you—you you talked a little bit about this in the book about you know Merton just saying. And by the way, the false self is just not even known by God. Right. That's <laughs> that, right. I mean, it's so—it's gut wrenching. Uh, yeah. It's so convicting when you hear this. like, yeah, to—to—to to, to think that that is the only thing that's happening here. Um, and it takes both, right? It's—it's—it's it's it's, right. it's both ends. It, but I—I I think it—it's now the. Now it's always not on the line every moment. Um, there's just a deeper, more peaceful ocean to swim in. And,
1: uh, That's right. That's so, right, that false self. God yeah. doesn't know that false self. That false self is living completely apart from God, like trying to do its own thing. So it is all about coming into alignment. Hmm.
0: Well, 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 well. So... Um, Who's the book for? who would you invite maybe they've mm. they've heard this dialogue and they're like okay i'm some of this has rang true for me today um i really i mean I'll just say, can I give you a little book blurb here yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> the this to me um i mean father thomas keating i i i really 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 believe like some of these voices that have been in this space for so long and they are now departing this earthly plane, um, you, you have taken such light and have brought it to us and said, this is what it means for today. This is what it means for our lives in 2018. And so I see that um, it's just wonderful to see how you are gently uh, and, and with humility bringing these ideas and practices and disciplines um, to our world and encouraging people just to try try one on for size and mm-hmm. and see see what leads to a lighter and brighter, more peaceful you. Um, mm-hmm. and I think the North Stars of the fruits of the spirit, if they are showing up in your life, then you've found the practice that's right for you um, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's my that's my blurb like, oh, I love um, that. you've, you've been handed the light and it's like, you're just lighting all of our candles now too. And so, mm. um, I'm super grateful for it. And I would love to hear who maybe you would invite to read mm. these words.
1: I, yeah. I love that. You know, the book was written really with Christians in mind who, who are struggling to figure out what, the faith they've inherited has to do with contemplative spirituality and contemplative practice, because, uh, for most of us, we're, our, our religious upbringing doesn't introduce us to this right. part of the Christian faith. Yeah. And so, uh, I really wanted um, to make contemplative spirituality accessible to, to Christians who are struggling to make the connection. And so for people who, who, who are drawn to this deeper Wellspring of life and reality, but need a little handholding in terms of what this has to do with the faith that they've inherited. And then it's written in such a way that I think people of all faiths or no faith totally could could really you know find the benefits of this of this work and this wisdom and um, and perhaps even consider you know adopting a spiritual practice once they realize that that's where it's at in terms of waking up to who they really are.
0: That's right. Oh man, I can even breathe a little bit better even after just having this conversation today. Mm. Um, so mindful silence, we can get it everywhere. Good books are bought and sold, um, online. Where would you invite us to go find out about you, your work, gravity, the book and so forth?
1: Mm. Yeah. Go to mindfulsilence.org. And you'll find a book trailer there and information about the book and events where I'll be um, speaking and teaching. Yeah, that's a good good landing page.
0: Perfect. And guys, just FYI, um, Chris and Felina, they've been um, huge in my life and my family's life and the businesses that I've been involved in they they really are doing beautiful things at the gravity center go there check out what they're doing Um, they offer all sorts of retreats and services enneagram consultations you name it Um, it's a beautiful 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 thing that they are doing and uh, I just feel fortunate to have a seat nearby to see where you guys are headed in life so thank you Mm -hmm. Um, from the bottom of my heart yeah for your good and necessary work
1: Thank you for all you're doing, and I appreciate your friendship so much. So thanks for your support.
0: Absolutely. Well, I wish you all the best in this book launch this week. And um, uh, 4.0, Felina Hewart's we'll have to schedule it sometime in 2019.
1: All right. Let's do it. (laughs)
0: Okay, we'll talk soon.
1: Okay.
0: Hey, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Felina. If you did. Please remember to share it with those you love and those you lead, and don't forget to go out and get the latest copy of her book, Mindful Silence, a beautiful, brilliant book that will lead you to great peace, great liberation, sustainability, and rest in your days. And as you approach this week, may you pause by the orchid, listen to the bluebird sing, and be love.